This episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Amy Swan, Blake Popsk, Greg Bench, Joel Robertson, Jonathan Edge, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you all. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rollins, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, and welcome to the most extreme podcast ever to be called Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. <laughs> uh, it, it was a close race, uh, but we, we, we pulled through. We pulled through in the end. Exactly, and we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we cover, and today we are celebrating Mary Slashmas with a modern slasher flick from 2019 called Haunt. This cannot be ignored. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, doing it. It's the end. Say goodbye. Is this supposed to be scary? see my face ah! haunt is currently streaming on shutter and um covered a while back by joe bob right yes for for his halloween hideaway um special um which i had a lot of fun with it was it, that was a weird one uh i was kind of uncomfortable watching the halloween hideaway thing because the entire thing felt like we were about to see somebody get murdered but i think that adds to the appeal of it all righty so the imdb synopsis reads on halloween a group of friends encounter an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears but the night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real Pretty what good. do you think? Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that. It doesn't give away too much about the nature of the haunted house, but yeah, yeah, pretty good uh, for IMDb at least. Uh, I think that are the shutter ones different, or do they write their original summaries? I think IMDb does their own su- summaries. Oh, I mean shutters, like for shutters. Like, on I, the page. That I don't know. I've never compared. Mm. I'd imagine that shutters would be better because it's a shutter exclusive, but. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty good. So, was Joe Bob's Halloween hideaway, was that the first time you saw Haunt? No. Uh, so, first of all, before we start, I just want to say, 
Uh, when I logged on to Shutter today to watch the movie, the first thing on the homepage in big letters was anything for Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as, as I'm sure you can imagine, I was more than a little confused. Uh, I thought it was one of the things like recommended for you, but it turns out it was a film called Anything for Jackson. So yep. I think maybe we'll have to talk about that sometime because it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, well, um, anyway, we've got our, we just in like a month, we've got our best of 2020. So it right, may come up. Right. Yes. So, anyways, Haunt. Uh, no, this wasn't uh, my second time watching it. I did, the, my second time watching it was on Halloween Hideaway. Um, third time seeing it overall was today. Saw it once in 2019 to prepare for our top 10 uh, of the year, and I think it made my honorable lynch, my, my honorable mentions of that year. Yep. It wasn't top 10, um, but I think I gave it like a 7 to an 8 out of 10. Uh, I really liked this movie the first time I saw it. I really liked it the second time I saw it. Um, I liked it a bit less this time around. I still oh. like it, but I did notice more flaws. I think that might just be because of the proximity to my last time with it, which was less than two months ago. It was October 25th. So uh, maybe it's just because I've seen it so often, but I did start to notice a few flaws. It didn't really improve for me on this viewing, but I still enjoy it. I think there are things to admire about it, technically. Uh, um, and I, I yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Spoiler alert, I think I like it a little more. Um, okay. I first saw it on Amazon Prime last year. Uh, then I saw it again on Halloween Hideaway. And so this was my third time. I bought the Blu-ray with, from Ronin Flicks uh, with the special features. Uh, special features done by somebody we both admire, Justin Beam. Mm-hmm. Because the writer, uh, writers and directors he went to high school with. Oh, nice. And so the plot, essentially a group of friends in college decide to check out a, an extreme haunted house that has a nearly empty parking lot off the beaten track. They have to give up their cell phones, and they soon learn that the maze is designed to trap them and that the staff are psychotic killers, psychotic guys with a lot of work done at body modification centers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that's the best way. They're, 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 and I'm just going to say really quick, the villains are the best part of this movie, I think. I like the final girl, too, but we'll get there. Um, do you know where this was filmed? I'm gonna say Kentucky, but it's probably oh, uh, probably, let's say North. I'm gonna say North Carolina or Kentucky. Covington, Kentucky, across the river from Cincinnati. See, that's the thing. Yeah, lots of new movies. I feel like uh, North Carolina and Kentucky are the hot spots. They um, are because it's so cheap. It's so cheap to film there. Nobody films in LA anymore. Um, no, it's too expensive to film in LA. But it's just like right. we've seen um, in Kentucky in the past two years. We've seen the Clove Hitch Killers. Tragedy mm-hmm. Girls, Strangers Pray mm-hmm. at Night, and now Haunt, all filmed in like northern and central Kentucky, uh, which is cool because that means we need to take another road trip, right? Yes, that's, I, I would love to see the the locations that they used for this. I'd imagine that a lot of it is, is, are like sets. You you can't actually visit that like location and expect inside that there's all that elaborate haunted well... house stuff. Um, okay, I do know where that when we when it opens when they're in the bar mm-hmm. before they go to the haunted house, I do know where that is. I have the address. Oh, and I do know where the field was where the final one of the final fight scenes takes place. Right, I know where that right. is. Okay, and uh, watching the special features, they say it, it's an abandoned dairy in Fort Thomas. So I figure if we can find the bar and we can find the field where the final scene takes place. 
which is right mm -hmm. near a fast food chicken place, apparently. <laughs> um, then I figure somebody's going to know where the abandoned dairy is in Fort Thomas, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Um, but, you know, you have to be careful with that because sometimes the way that movies are filmed can be deceptive where it makes it look like two locations are connected when really they could be well, uh, the, miles the apart. Well, the haunt itself was actually all filmed in that abandoned area, they said. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Well, I guess if we find that, we've got the, we've got the uh, pot of gold. Exactly. But, the exteriors yeah. were different. The bar was different. The house was different. But the entire haunt, when they're inside the haunt, that is all inside that abandoned dairy. Cool. So, there you go. So, let's start with the plot and the screenplay. Uh, Co-written and co-directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who also co-wrote A Quiet Place. Mm -hmm. So, what did you think of the uh, plot and the screenplay? Uh, so, about A Quiet Place, and I haven't seen A Quiet Place Part 2, but they also wrote that. Um Oh, did I they? I think they did. They, what did you say? I didn't think they wrote uh, part two. I thought I saw it on their IMDb. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it was just well, one Well, I them. think it's just story by. Oh, uh, okay. I based see. on characters created by. Because okay. they're on record as hating sequels. Oh, hmm. Well, is Krasinski still directing the second one, or has that been passed off to somebody else? I believe Krasinski is directing, yes. Okay. Well, that, that's restored a little bit of faith. But um, with The Quiet Place, I love A Quiet Place. Um, I think I would give it like an 8 out of 10. Uh, I, I don't think the writing is what necessarily made that movie. Uh, the standout features for me with The Quiet Place were the performances and the editing. Um, so I wasn't that surprised that there are a few things that I think could have been better written in this movie. But I think overall the writing is serviceable. Uh, what, serviceable? Like, yeah. Oh, well, come well, on. Okay. We're going to have a Cisco and Ebert fight over this. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I understand that there are a few plot holes and a few things that are implausible, but it's a slasher movie, dude. Yeah, but I, I think it takes itself a little bit more seriously than your average slasher. It's, it's trying I to present itself it, as... Which I think makes it scarier. Yeah, it, it. my problem is it does have inconsistencies that you would find in a slasher, but it also tries to be a little bit more cerebral. It tries to present itself as like something about trauma and psychological damage, but it still has those kind of slasher plot holes. And I'll get to those later, but, you know, it doesn't matter that the writing isn't uh, above average for me because it's the cinematography and the setting that, that really impressed me. Um, I, th I think the writing and acting are okay. The, the acting actually for the material is pretty good, but the, the cinematography and the setting, both the time setting set on Halloween and the setting of the haunted house are really well done. I would say the set design is the standout feature. Um, but, and they uh, talked yeah. about that on the special features. They said how mm -hmm. lucky they were to have the production design team they had. They said that they, they thought that was really well done, and I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I would if there weren't the actual killers, I would love to visit that haunted house. I would love to actually be that coffin thing uh, with the spiders. I think that would be a really cool attraction. Yeah. Um, and I love the, the slide that you have to just slide down to with the, with the chainsaw guy at the bottom. That would actually be really fun if it wasn't, you know, serial killers. And we see that not all of them are. So maybe maybe if you took out the body mod serial killers, that would be a really <laughs> fun haunted house. So yeah, the setting uh, was fantastic. And I think that's what sets us apart. You don't often see horror movies that are almost entirely set in a haunted house. Maybe did that'll you, be an aspect to it. Well, we'll get that in a second. But did you just coin the term body mod serial killers? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I guess I did. I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that. But that's what they are, right? They're they're extreme body mod. Um, and they, I guess they want to act out the way they look. So they, they model themselves after their masks. And then they want to act like their masks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how that works, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll that, talk about that, that behind the scenes stuff, but right. And this, I, the thing is, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I like the plot. I like the screenplay. I like where it's set. I think it, it suffered on my first viewing. It's a pretty simple plot, right? And in, in many ways, it's a group of friends. Yes. One of them is traumatized by both being in an abusive household growing up and now having an abusive boyfriend. But it's just basically they go to an extreme haunted house and they find out that the quote unquote killers in the haunted house are really killers. I mean, but the problem was this came out at the same time as Blood Feast and our Blood mm, Fest yeah. and Hellfest. Yeah. Which both are, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of similar. Blood Feast definitely is that way. Hellfest, you have a killer dressed like one of the park attendants. And I like um, Hellfest better than Blood than uh, Blood Feast. I think. But, I, I yeah. did too. I did too. I, Hellfest has actually grown on me. I think I saw it in the theater, and the first time I was like, on oh, Letterbox, I gave it like a three out of five, and I said it's good. I liked it. Mm -hmm. um, but I've thought about it a lot since then. It, it's, it's one mm -hmm. of those movies like Strangers Pray at Night, where I walked out of the theater and went, "Oh, I liked it," but then I thought about it a lot. It stayed with me, and that yeah. says Hell, something I, about me to me. Right. I like Hellfest just as much as this movie. I think they're pretty equal in quality. Um, and yeah, I didn't really care for Blood Feast that much. I know that a lot of people love it. But um, yeah, Hellfest, great, good movie. This movie is great. Um, I, I do feel, yeah, there was a little bit of overload with that same kind of like haunted attraction. But this one was a haunted house, whereas... Uh, Hellfest was more like a haunted fair, I guess you could call it—a fair with a haunted section. Right. Um, so, it's like yeah. going to—it's like going to like Universal's, you right. know, horror things that Rob Zombie helps design out in L.A. and and all mm -hmm. of a sudden there's a serial killer there. Mm -hmm. That's Hellfest, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas Blood Feast has a kind of a ridiculous kind of setup to it when you learn it. But um, I I love Hellfest. I like this more. Um, I like Haunt more, and I'll tell you why. It's the suspense. I think they get the suspense right. Now, I've podcasted with their buddy, Justin Beam, who did the special features. Uh, Justin has told me that he and his buddies, including the guys who wrote and directed this, and including one of the ones who acted, they also the one who played the clown mm -hmm. who survives to the end, he also went to high school with Justin Beam and the, and the writers and directors. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so um, they've been friends a long time. They all love Hitchcock. And Justin knows a lot about Hitchcock. And you can see it. Like, I, when I was a kid, I was up for anything, including one of the things I would do every year during the summer was I would go spelunking, caving uh, at Carter Caves. And one of the caves literally you crawl you have to crawl through on your belly because you have maybe a half an inch above your head mm -hmm. i can't do that now <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah, not after the descent certainly well i've grown i've just grown a little claustrophobic and mm -hmm. the idea of something like being stuck in there for some reason or whatever it's like no nah, i can't i can't do that so like when they're crawling through the tunnels and that kind of stuff um sticking their hand into that thing you know and it's like 
No, 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 no. So there's there's real suspense. And the scene with the devil, you know, when she faces off with the devil, mm-hmm. remember the guy who's like, who is Sam? Yeah, yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, do you know who that is? Mm, the actor? Yeah. No. The same one who played the sackhead killer from Strangers Pray at Night. Really? Yep. Cool. Yep. And... I, there was real tension for me. There was real suspense. So I, that's why I like, because Hellfest, not so much. I, I love it, especially for the ending. And we'll talk about that some other time. And we'll talk about the ending here. But I felt real suspense. I felt sorry for the final girl. I liked her. Um, I think she's a good actress. I, I think the rest of the actors are, I agree with you. They're, they're passable. They're not, they're not going to be winning Oscars anytime soon, but I think they're fine. I don't think there's a bad actor in the bunch. Yeah. Uh, actually, Harper was my least favorite character out of the main group. Really? Honestly, if I'm being honest. Maybe, maybe between Harper and Bailey. But I liked Nathan. Evan had his moments, but just Harper and Bailey didn't work for me. I liked Harper a lot. Why not? I don't know. I, f- I feel like the movie showing us those flashback scenes is trying to like um, artificially insert like backstory, like try to make us care rather than just letting us spend time with the character. But it made me care. Tour. I didn't. I didn't get that. Uh, I, I I felt more sympathy uh, for her in the scenes where it's with her boyfriend, where she's texting with her boyfriend, and we see how psycho he is. Oh. I felt more sympathy for her there than when it cuts to. Uh, memory sequence where she's hiding underneath the bed and there's real cliche dialogue with her dad screaming at her mom. I I don't know. Harper, not my favorite character. Um, the, the, it just felt a little contrived to me. It felt like they were, tr- they were trying to inject sympathy into it without just letting that come naturally. I like it when movies let you spend time with the character and get to know them rather than just it showing you. Like, she, she tells you one thing and the flashback shows us a different thing. And you're like, oh, so she doesn't want to talk about her past because it scarred her. I get this now. Instead of just letting that come out naturally. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too nitpicky. I do have a lot of nitpicks with this movie. I made a whole list, uh, and they don't—they don't even take the movie down a single point. But um, well, I take do that, have nitpicks. Take that list and do to it what the clown does to the haunt. Okay. Uh, Burn it all movie. down. Because if you're going to nitpick this, I mean, let's talk about the Friday Thirteenth movies. I mean, come on. But again, I feel like this is this is trying to present itself as being a little bit more cerebral with the final girl who fights back at the very, very end with the trauma storyline, with the whole part in that like fake bedroom. I feel like it's really trying to act cerebral. I, I feel like it's trying to be as different as A Quiet Place was from other movies. I don't think it's necessarily trying to be an average slasher. Whereas I feel like Friday the 13th knew that it was a Halloween ripoff, so they had fun with it, and that movie is fun. But with Haunt, I, I, don't, I do think there are fun parts, but I, I, the plot holes do bother me a little bit more. There are plot well, holes, the there fun are nitpicks parts, I have. The fun parts are from opening credits to closing credits. Those would be okay. the fun parts. Obviously, there's going to be a clash in opinion here. <laughs> I still like the movie. I think it is above average for horror movies, um, and I think it... it I think it does deserve to be on Shutter along with all the other titles there. That said, again, it was just an honorable mention for me in 2019, and I actually like it less now than I do then. 
Um, I, I, I'm, all I'm going to say is the majority of reviews I've seen for it are accurate, in my opinion. It has 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I would that's say not that's bad. accurate. 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. I would say that's right on the money, the, the money for the general audience. You know, here's the thing. For the I'm, general again, audience. Our listeners are not the general audience. <laughs> they are horror fans. You've got people on there logging on to IMDb who think, like, the English patient should be 10 out of 10. I mean, they think James Cameron's Titanic is a masterpiece. These are the people commenting on IMDb and rating movies. So, but for our listeners who actually have class and style, yeah, it, it's higher than that. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm interested to see what your what your general praises are as we go. First, I want to before I get onto the negatives, I just want to say really quick, there's a lot I like about this movie. Um, I I really love how it opens the scene interspersed with the opening credits. We see the haunted house uh, being set up. I really like that scene. I thought that was cool. Them printing up the flyers and setting the tripwires and doing a little blacksmithing. That was cool. Um, I like the setting of this movie, as I said before. Um, Halloween haunted house. That's a very specific thing. And I like that setting. Music never took me out of it. It immersed me. I, it's not iconic, I would say. It, I can't remember any of it, but it, it, it did its job. It was never distracting. Oh. Um, uh, I like the part where the main character, uh, Harper, I think. I like the part where she's watching Night of the Living Dead on the TV. Um, that was that was cool. And the part where she's looking at her abusive uh, boyfriend's text, and in the Night of the Living Dead, uh, Barbara's talking about how the zombie attacked her, which is kind of nice parallelism. Um, I, I really like the villains. I think that the best part, as I said before, the extreme body mod slasher villains, a very specific subgenre. But um, mm -hmm. my favorite out of all of them was the ghost guy. I, I kind of like how he acts sympathetic and then he turns on them. Um, I think he gave the best performance of the movie, in my opinion, the ghost guy. And do guy. you realize that he was a local actor who did a blind open audition? And he was good. I can see why they hired him. He, he was good. Um, uh, still want to know my name. I liked that guy. Um, oh, I think it that's had... one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. Do you still want to know my name? Do you still want to yeah. know what I look like? Mm -hmm. yeah that was a good th he, he is very threatening all the villains are very threatening they're my favorite part um pretty good pacing it moves along at a consistent pace and it doesn't overstay its welcome it's only 93 minutes long including credits so um yeah it's pretty good uh but i do have a lot of a lot of negatives like i said those are those are positives that do set it above the average movie like this is better than like amusement or paranormal activity six or whatever this is above average but uh, it does have problems, and I think I don't think it's wrong for me to enjoy it, but also point out that it has serious problems with the writing. All right, serious all right, plot all right, holes. All right. Let's um, talk about. Look, go ahead and start okay. listing some of your problems. First, I want to talk about something that's not really a plot hole or a nitpick. This is just like, I feel like uh, the actor for Evan did a good job, but the lines written for him were a little like. You could tell that Beck and Woods were trying to be trying to write like a Jonah Hill or TJ Miller character. I felt like some of the lines were a little on the nose. He has a few funny ones, um, especially when they're outside of the haunted house, when they're when they're like giving up their phones and stuff. He had some funny quips. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think some of his lines were kind of cringy. Now, here are my nitpicks. OK, first of all, who is the guy in the red robe outside the Halloween party? 
is the is the movie implying that the haunted house people were following Harper before they arrived at the haunted house? Because they uh, were later out passing the, out flyers. I, That's how the one guy got the flyer. The, he the clown was there, I believe, at the yeah, outside of the bar. That's how well, how they got the flyer. But why 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 stalk Harper specifically? Like why are you? I don't know because the movie presents why it as Michael as if, Myers stalk Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, but, like, but, yeah. but they but it's not the same because Michael stalks Laurie all the whole movie, whereas the movie presents it as if they come across that they're like there's several extreme ones we could go to. Oh, look at this one. We're right there. You know what I mean? It presents it as if they just came across it by accident and they just happen to be another victim of of the of the haunted house whereas him stalking her would imply that he like the clown had planned for her to come the entire time when they wouldn't have stopped if they hadn't seen uh harper's boyfriend's truck behind him like if harper hadn't thought she saw her boyfriend following them so it doesn't really make much sense that that she would see the, the clown before uh, i feel like that's a little bit of a, of a nitpick there but um, well, they, but they do show the flyer that the clown was passing. Yeah, they, out. they show the flyer, and and yeah, that makes sense. But why was he stalking Harper? And also, the the movie would have been almost completely avoided because even though they got the flyer, Evan doesn't even say let's go to this extreme haunted house. He just says let's go to a extreme haunted house, and then they look on Yelp. They just like look at a bunch of them. They're like, okay, this one is fifteen minutes away, and this one. So it was just chance that they stumbled across that one because they stopped there, and then the sign came up. It was a. T- it was totally a. Well, like but a they. Tweet. I didn't see them putting flyers on every car. It was like, I think that yeah, I think he just saw. He sees a bunch of college kids, a group of them sitting together and drinking. They're in costume, with the exception of Harper, right? Which may have been what attracted him to her. She's not in costume. I don't know, because he all there's also that other girl that went there that night that they see with the fire poker to the face. So obviously he'd been giving flyers to other people, but then also he's stalking Harper. And again, again, they come across the haunted house by accident. They stop there because they think they see Harper's boyfriend driving the well, truck. Well, no, and, because and the, the one guy's on. like waving the flyer, and that is the flyer that they were printing off. Yeah, I'm aware, but they 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 were gonna drive right past it. You know what I mean? Like even though they got that flyer and that put that in their head to go to an extreme haunted house, they were looking through Yelp and they just happened to stop right beside it because the sign came on, and they were you know well, were- but okay, as somebody who's watched a lot of true crime serial killer stuff over the past few decades, which I don't know what that says about my mental state, but anyway. <laughs> Um, I mean, Bundy did that. There are serial killers or, or, or Richard Ramirez who are like, I want that person. They follow him for a while. Then they don't do what they want them to do. They don't they don't go to like um, stop someplace to go to the restroom where they can nab them. They don't you know, they stay in a crowded place. Or, and then so then they stalk them again another night. And so it is uh, both stalking and by chance. OK. All right. Um, OK. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that it was a huge and that's not my only problem, but I'll accept that that was a huge like coincidence that they just so happened to be stalked by the clown, and then they also happened to stop right beside the sign because they thought they saw her abusive boyfriend. It's just it is a it is but, a, a, but, but, a but, lot but, of factors. But to be ahead fair, again, like I said, when they come out of the bar, the one guy, what's his name, the the one guy, the one guy who's kind of the smart Ethan? Like, yeah, is oh, that Ethan. Oh, uh, Evan. 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 He's yeah. the one who's like waving the flyer around, going, "We got to go here. Let's. This is extreme haunted house. Let's go here. Let's go here." I don't remember him saying that one specifically. He says, yeah, "Or he we he can go to a haunted like, house." No, he was waving. They were all saying, "Let's go get some food." He's like, "No, no, 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 no. Extreme haunted house," and he was waving that flyer. 
I know, but I think he was just that just put in his head the idea of going to a haunt. I think he said a extreme haunted house. I, I remember him saying that. But he's anyways, a fat flyer. I understand, but I, I but they were looking on Yelp later for extreme haunted houses, and they had several. So I think that just put in his mind. I, th- I don't think they could... could find that one on there, and that's what one of the reasons that kind of freaked him out. They're like, "There's nothing on Yelp. There's a we." There's oh well, no... they said there was they one did... review, and that the proceeds go to the Red Cross. That was a joke that they put in there. I think that's oh well. I think that was the clown that did that. But then it's you know because they you okay. put up your own Yelp. All right. Well, I guess uh, it's just a matter of perspective. We're never going to agree on this, but I have more. I have lots, most of which come from the first 20 minutes. Like, I have a whole paragraph of these. Well, let's not, well, we won't subject our listeners to two hours of nitpicks, but go, I think we should. I think I don't fun. think we should, but, but go ahead and lay out a couple. It's all right. A couple's okay. all right. I'm, I'm, so, I'm cool with that. Go ahead. Here we go. First of all, why did Harper's friend, uh, Bailey, I think her name is, need to take Harper's mother's ring to a party? First of all, do cats wear rings? Did she really need that to complete her costume? And also, once she knew it was Harper's mom's ring, why would she still take it to go get drunk at a party? Did that really require Harper's mother's ring with some sentimental attachment? Also, why wouldn't Harper care? And also, why would she reach her ringed hand into a hole that may be an extreme haunted attraction? Okay, that's one, that's one thing. I guess Bailey is just stupid. That would explain that one. Well, but uh, extreme haunted attractions, it may be extreme. How? Okay, here's the difference between a haunted attraction and an extreme haunted attraction. Uh, a haunted attraction, they don't, they're not allowed to touch you. Mm-hmm. An extreme haunted attraction, you do allow them, you basically sign a waiver that says, yes, you can touch me. Uh, you can even make me part of the show, but you still can't harm me. Right, I understand that, but okay. but... She reached they, her ring hand. Well, yeah, but I mean, you can't. But still, most people in North America assume you go to even an extreme haunted house, they're not going to rob you or mutilate you in yeah, any way. Yeah, I understand and that. So, but, but, and, and they didn't steal it from her. I think she just fell off in the thing and then they grabbed her. But here's the thing. First of all, the reason she put it on was to go to a party. Does the cat costume need your friend's sentimental mother's ring? Does that really need it to complete the she look? She just likes it. I guess so. And why wouldn't Harper care? Hey, hey look, guess- hey, look, hey, look, hey, look. My, I have watched my wife for years go around and go and look around, and she's almost late for work, and she's looking around I'm like, what are you, what are you looking for? And she will pick up like a ring or a button or a pin or mm-hmm. something. I mean, it's just some people are just that way, dude. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So also, <laughs> here's another thing. Why did the haunted house guys make the group sign a waiver? Like, are you seriously telling me that they were worried about being sued after they no, the whole they group? wanted their addresses in case they escaped. Really? That's they. They didn't have enough time to write down their, all their addresses. It's presented as if but they just you, passed it around and signed it. Nope. It's they wanted their address. That's why it hits okay. her Harper at the end. I just need right. you to sign a release form. She's like. Oh, and that's why the ghost says, repeats that guy's address. They had to write okay. their name, address, and sign it. I guess I guess it's just a problem with presentation, because that seemed last well, like 15 you seconds. Uh, exactly, but you're a filmmaker. You know that you're going to have to take some license. That You're not going to shoot the entire full name... Address. I understand. Yeah, so I guess you're if, going, if you're, you're going to compress right. that, you're going to compress that for time, so you're not boring your audience, yeah. right? Yeah, 
I guess so. If you were Edgar Wright, you would do it in fast motion, but, uh, okay, yeah. So, all right, uh, I wrote something here about the Yelp review. Yeah, the clown did that, but also, like, why would you even bother? Because they weren't scared of scaring the people off, obviously, with the whole, but, like, Because they're only clown. doing it that night. That's why he burned it down and everything. They're only doing it that night. Yeah. I guess so. I don't know. Okay. They put out Another the flyers, thing. then they put up the Yelp review, and it's like, come, you know, you know, the spider saying, you know, to the fly, come over here. And that's the point. Okay. Uh, all right. So Mallory, uh, one of the friends in the yellow dress, she gets into the coffin and spiders pour out real spiders that are moving. And then she gets out. There are no spiders in her hair. And Evan says, look, it's a party city tag. So did she hallucinate those spiders? I'm not, I don't really get that. Like, see, what, now, were... I was watching in, in uh, Blu-ray. I didn't see that they were real. The, oh, they definitely move. I was watching it today. Uh, so I, okay, I didn't see them move, so I didn't have a problem with it. Oh, yeah. It crawls over the front. Like, you, you, she's looking up, and it crawls over the thing. And then it, it like, drops it down. a mix of fake spiders and real spiders. Maybe, but I then why weren't they in her hair? They were pouring all but, over her. Yeah, but I doubt they went out and bought, like, went to a pet store and bought, like, a thousand tarantulas. I mean, I... I guess so, like, in the logic of the movie. But then why didn't she have them on her when she got out of the coffin, like, a second later, even though they are pouring all over her? I guess it's meant that she was hallucinating, but, like, I don't know. That that seems like a very horror movie thing, like, for a cheap scare. Like, oh, a spider, but never mind, they're fake. It's like, but they weren't. We just saw them moving, and she was hallucinating. They were crawling all over her. Anyways... That's another problem I have. Uh, I have some problems uh, later on in the movie, uh, especially about the whole scene with the um, the shotgun that goes off every once in a while, the rifle, which is like timed. It's not consistently timed. It's all presented in real time. No, it is. And it's time. It's time to uh, Jack in the Box. Yeah, but the cut. But the cuts. It. I timed it out. It's definitely not. Like it. it like there. Oh, there's... but that's again. That's 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 compression again. You can't. I mean, that's like saying you watch Rocky and it's you can't. You don't buy Rocky because the rounds are either three and a half minutes or two and a half minutes, not exactly three minutes. Okay, I don't know. I I I have I do have some problems with that. I like that scene overall, but uh, those are my nitpicks. Again, those are nitpicks. Um. Each one of those individual things don't really affect the movie that much. But when they're together, it kind of distracted me. And again, I didn't even notice these things the first two times I watched the movie. I have some more major ones, especially just like, I really don't think the writing in this movie is, is like exceptional. I The acting is good for what it, I think Nathan does a pretty good job. The guy that plays Nathan uh, at the party scene, whenever her, him and Harper first meet, I think like he does a pretty good job with the material. Um but there are definitely parts that I think could have been done better. I, I think um, the girl who plays Angela did, did a pretty good job, like in the beginning, talking about the contusion to the to the uh, um, ocular plate. That was kind of a funny line. She mm -hmm. did that well. But I, I definitely don't think that this is the strongest written movie in the world. I think it's on the same level as Hellfest, or not, not Blood Feast. Blood Feast is... Awful. I'll just say it right now. It, the writing was contrived and uh, weird. But, um, okay, Haunt, writing, not the strongest. Beck and Woods did a better job in a, in a Quiet Place, but I don't even think the writing was the strongest part of A Quiet Place. It wasn't even close. The visuals, the sound mixing, the performances were way better in A Quiet Place than the writing, just as a product of there isn't that much writing in it. A lot of it comes down to the creative vision of the director. No, there's a lot of writing in it. They You set up, even with a... 
um, a film like A Quiet Place, you're the one setting up like the nail on the stairs. You're the one setting up. Which I don't think, I think the nail on the stairs is actually one of the weaker parts of that movie. Why is there a nail facing upwards on the stairs? That it's, it's like, that doesn't really make any sense. It's not bent upward. Like it's not from facing down bent upwards. It's just like facing upwards through the thing. Like, I, I, I don't understand why you would nail it that way. That is one of the things I actually thought was weak about A Quiet Place. And the part in A Quiet Place where you're down in John Krasinski's, like, lab, and it says, aliens, question mark, question mark, fly, question mark, question mark. It's like, that That stuff was a little bit weaker, I, I feel like. Harmed by sound, question mark, question mark. Like, that. that's a, that's a couple of things that... Uh, I think are, are weak about a quiet place. So I think actually the writing was one of the worst parts. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. So maybe it wasn't better. <laughs> maybe they didn't do a better job. Uh, in a quiet place. I think I actually prefer the writing and haunt to the writing in a quiet place. But anyways, I like uh, the writing just fine. I understand some of it's implausible. It's a slasher. I don't have a problem with it trying to be a deeper slasher because that's the culture we're in. You know, if you just threw these people out as typical stereotypes like you see in a lot of the Friday 13th movies, with the exception of part two, and that's why it's the best, um, when you throw just stereotypical characters like in part three or even to a degree in part four, you know, God bless Crispin Glover. He kind of saves that. But anyway, <laughs> oh, uh, but part four has got um, Tommy Jarvis. Yeah, 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 but I mean, I'm talking about the teenagers, not the kid. I mean, it's okay. Sure. Uh, Crispin Glover is the only like non-stereotypical kind of teenager in Part Four. But anyway, yeah, not yeah, yeah. Just, that's just because it's him. I think that's. Uh, I don't even yeah. think it's his acting skills. I think it's just because he was kind of a wacky character himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. But, but you know, that's changed. You don't see that. Mm much and you see it in bad slasher movies but you don't see it in modern slasher movies i mean you know we have kind of evolved within the horror genre that you do have to give your characters a little more meat they can't just be you know cannon fodder or machete fodder if you if you will you got away with that in the 80s you can't really get away with that anymore but at the end of the day these guys are 80 slasher film fans and this is an 80 slasher, but they just wrote it in, you know, 2017 or 2016. And so that, you know, that's to be expected. And so, yes, it's, it's a little bit of the, you know, okay, we have to show that she's had such a difficult life that when the switch flips, it's a stand up and cheer moment. But how many how many times have we seen that in a lot of good movies? I mean, that's 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 not a stretch. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, come on, think about it. I mean, I mean, how many times do you see a character has had to deal with a past trauma, and of course, that's part of the trauma they're dealing with now, and and they have to screw up the courage to to get it done, or 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 whatever, and. I mean, that's a that's a trope in a lot of movies, action movies, dramas, you know, um, sleeping with the enemy with Julia Roberts. I mean, that's I mean, so it's it's that's there. And yeah, it's a get up and cheer moment. Um, You can say it's unnecessary if you want, but I I didn't have a problem with it. I liked it. All right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I think Kate Stevens is Harper is a good final 
girl. Um, is she Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween? No. Uh, okay, now you don't have to say it sarcastically. <laughs> not uh, even not even close. I mean, okay, here's my thing. You look at her her filmography and it kind of makes sense. She's in two two uh on, or one ongoing teen sitcom, one that went on for 2 years. It, she really does feel like a teen drama actor, like something you'd see on Freeform. I didn't care for the performance. I haven't seen Polaroid. That looks interesting. Like that, that could. Uh, that's uh, not bad. It's not bad. It's um, not great, but it's not bad. But I, I didn't. I just didn't love her performance. But I think the main thing that bothered me about Harper as a character was how forced the backstory felt. I much preferred the storyline of her and her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Because of it's in the moment. You don't have to show flashbacks to, to show you how crappy of a guy he is. I didn't Whereas, feel it was any more force than, say, Clarice Starling's backstory showing her. Really? No. Really? I mean, yeah, it was done better in Silence of the Lambs, but still, I, I didn't. But, I, was, it, but my point is not how good the flashbacks were. My point was it didn't feel forced to me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you felt that way. I didn't. I maybe I just didn't connect with her enough to put myself fully in her headspace. So it felt a little bit crazy to show that flash. I think the the thing I have the most problem with isn't the later on scenes where we see her in that bedroom. Um, that's not the main problem for me. The main problem for me is the scene where she's talking to uh, Nathan, and she's like, "Well, I had a great a great childhood." great relationship with my parents and it's like flashbacks of her house but it's all tinged and kind of creepy and it's like well i had a great relationship with my parents but then again nathan who i think what's his name will Britton? i haven't seen him in anything else um but yeah, he does most a, of, a lot of this cast i haven't seen and oh in, he was in kong skull island he was one of the soldiers well in kong he oh uh, was he one of the soldiers i thought he was like the younger um john c Riley. Oh, when he crashes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes I sense. I think that was his character, yeah. Okay, Which he's on yeah. screen for like a minute, yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, yeah, I think he's the best actor in this movie other than the ghost guy, honestly. Um, because he saves that scene. The ghost guy whenever... who's been doing theater in Cincinnati is the second best actor, you think? Better he's, than good. he's good. He's good. I like no, He um... is good. I, I'm not denying that. And he won yeah. the audition because he nailed that voice. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he's they said that. He came in and and he did his voice as Mitch, mm -hmm. and they were and they were looking at each other like, okay, dude, that's creepy. You got the job. Yeah, and he so, sounds kind of like Ghostface. He's got that same kind of like kind of like creepy but slide like timbre. Yeah, it, it's definitely a great voice. You have to, you have to, because you you know this is going to stick with you. It's a great scene where he goes, "Do you still want to see my face?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And with the hammer in the mouth. Oh, yeah, disgusting. But I, I really do. I, I like him a lot. Even when he's, like, pretending to help them out. I thought that well, was really funny. Well, like, hey, it's like, you're, you're looking for actors in short films? He's an hour away from you, buddy. That would be good. Yeah, I would love that. I think that the whole villain cast does a great job. The witch, for what little we, we uh, hear of the witch, you think you're the only one who's made it this far. Uh, that's, a, that's a good great line. Scene. She's creepy. With the face, the face of the witch underneath the witch mask. That was really cool. And the face is shattered with by the... Uh, uh, the the hatch flaming down on the face. That's good. Um, and I even All right, let's let's talk about... Hold on a second. Before we okay. get here, do you have any other... Do you have one other nitpick you want to bring up before we go into what's good about this movie? That Because I think that we can agree on a couple things before we just kind of wrap it up. So 
let, let what other big nitpick do you have? Do you have another big nitpick? That's like I, I can't get over this. I want I want you to get it out. Is there is there one that just stands out or or do you think you've covered it? Uh I I I think I'm good. I think okay. I'm ready to move on to the positives. All right. Um let's talk about some of the kills. Mm-hmm. Um, because our audience likes to talk about kills. You talked about uh the ghost. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of have this thing. Let's see behind the mask. Mm-hmm. And he rips the guy's face off. Yeah. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. I, I yeah, the I the kills are strong in this movie. Um and even the one at the very, very end with the with the the clown. Pretty brutal what oh, happened oh, we'll with the nails about, and yeah. stuff. We'll talk about the ending because I do want your opinion on the ending. But uh yeah, I thought the kills were 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 pretty strong. They're not that inventive, but there are a couple times where you're like, whoa, um there is some for gore hounds, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely benefits from being an R-rated movie. I couldn't see this as a PG-13. Right. We both agree that one of, you say the, I say one of, the strongest aspects of the movie are the killers. The, the, uh... <laughs> Go ahead. You've coined this phrase. You're going to have to trademark it, so. Okay. The extreme body mod slasher villain? Bod mod. Extreme bod mod bod slasher. Mod. Okay, yeah. Extreme bod mod slasher. Yeah, I'll put that on a t-shirt. Okay. You're with me. They're pretty strong in this movie. Yeah, yeah. They are my favorite part. I know that you have a whole menagerie of things you love. I think they're the only great, perfect thing about the movie. I wouldn't do anything to improve the killer's um i like the the ones that we see the most of i think we get the perfect amount of screen time from them and there are a bunch of them that we don't even see that much like the vampire or the or the witch mm-hmm. but i think what we see of them is fine i think we get all of them because i think it would be a little exhausting if each one of them has their own yeah. kind of like individual scene um so yeah I'm, are, I'm glad there that... are deleted scenes i haven't got to yet i watched the making of i watched a couple interviews and that kind of stuff but yeah there are deleted scenes so there probably were more of that but I love the devil, mm-hmm. played by um, uh, Damien Maffei, who Maffei or Maffey, I can't remember, but he was actually, if I, if memory serves, you know, not only was he the sackhead guy killer in Strangers Pray at Night, he was also interviewed by our buddies Dino and Michelle over at the Huh podcast. Really? Okay, yep. cool. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and I see. Oh. I see he's in a 2021 horror movie, Wrong Turn. I guess that's the Wrong Turn remake, it's or the, it's the reboot. Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Cool to see that he's getting work. He was very good in this movie. Um, I think I think he was more oh, menacing love, probably in Strangers Pray at Night. When well, but yeah, I, I agree with that. But when he takes that mask off and goes, "Who's Sam?" Yeah, yeah, great scene. I love the voice too, yep. which I, I I assume was probably modulated. I don't think he could actually do that with his voice, but well, still, the, still so really cool. when we go to the clown, do you remember the clown is like going through cell phones? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they interview that actor. Like I said, that actor has grown up with the with the co-writers and directors and our, and Justin Beams and by we admire. Yep. And and of course, I want to give a shout out. Justin Beam did a great job on the extras so far for this. His Reverend Entertainment and Justin Beam Radio Hour definitely worth checking out. Anything Justin Beam does, I buy because even if I don't like the movie, I'm probably going to buy it because it's just great stuff. Um, he says that's his voice, the clown. When he goes, when he's on the phone with the boyfriend, and he goes, 
you're too late, Sam. Mm-hmm. He says he modeled his voice after Philip Seymour Hoffman. I could, yeah, I could hear that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it does. It definitely like Philip. I, I'm talking about the the uh, the, the, the devil, devil guy though. With yeah. it, but it's it's pretty. I think that's modulated, but it's still cool. I can imagine even before the effects were added to it, it would be pretty menacing. Especially just you know that line is good, but um, yeah, yeah, but devil. Devil and the Ghost are my favorites, but I I like even I think it was a zombie. Was he the one that was like a normal guy who tried to help them get the gun? Yeah, he's like, look, they just promised me, you know, my face. He puts mm-hmm. it, which is interesting. Um, yeah, he, he's the guy who tries to get the gun. So yeah, they're he's I, good. I like I, yeah, he's good. I liked all of them. I love the clown too. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we both agree that. The killers work in this movie. They're effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the kills are decent. They're good. Here's the thing that really stood out to me, because this is a low-budget movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the, the cinematography was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the cinematography, yeah, but I would say the lighting for me is what makes the cinematography. I think without well, the, that's the a great and varied lighting. It, but I mean, yeah. like, there, there are times where they're all in blue. All like I said, there's kind of an Argento mm-hmm. kind of yeah. Homage. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, definitely. To a lesser extent, it's like one of one of Argento's maybe earlier movies that kind of color. But there are scenes where it's very colorful, like that scene where they have to slide down into the chainsaw guys layer. There was a lot of blue and red there. Um, so yeah, very pretty colorful. I like that, and I think that's the thing that stood out to me most visually, rather than the cinematography. But I can't appreciate how hard it would be to like get the camera in that crate maze and uh, and like get it through the haunted house and everything. Like yeah, I can imagine that that would be pretty hard. So I can appreciate the effort, but definitely the the lighting is what made the visuals for me. I think without the interesting lighting, the cinematography wouldn't have stood out to me as much. I think the cinematography was solid. I agree the lighting is a standout, but I, I think it's both. And and I think they did a really, really good job. I think they shot the suspense scenes well. The one scene where you have all of the ghosts, remember when the ghost emerges and there's this line of ghosts? Mm-hmm. I thought that was shot very well. Yeah, uh, it kind of reminded me of, uh, of uh, Scream 3, the part with Ghostface and the line of Ghostface. Uh, yeah, sure. But I mean, I yeah. still thought it was shot well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we can agree on the cinematography. And actually, I have the score, the, the uh, Ronin Flicks Blu-ray. There, it's a two edition, and the second disc is the score. Mm-hmm. And I did see a brief interview with the composer. He put a lot of thought into it. He, it, it it's interesting. I, I'd like to show you. The interview is very short. And you may be at this point, because everything's thrown up on YouTube, you may be able to find it at this point on YouTube. He put a lot of thought into it, so I I thought the score was decent. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I didn't think it ever took me out of it, and I guess it was pretty immersive in a few parts. But I was never, I never, I can't recall any of the tracks to my mind right now. Um, and I didn't, I I, I wouldn't call it iconic, but yeah, it, it did its job uh, for a low budget horror movie. I think it was pretty good. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I hope our buddy Justin Beam doesn't hear this uh, episode. But anyway, well, Justin uh, didn't compose it, and I'm still saying it's a good score. But no, um, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying, but he's buddies with everybody who made it. That's my point. Right. Uh, well, I'm. But here's what I'm gonna say. Okay, I don't think it needs to be iconic for it to be a good score. I mean, we talked about this. Scream has a great sound- soundtrack, but there's no real song from Scream. Like no, no soundtrack piece where you can like sing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> or played on piano, really. Um, whereas with like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, you can do that. So sure. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's that that high. I'm not saying that, but I did enjoy it. Right. I, or even I, something I, like The Fog or The Howling, like you can remember it better than than Haunt. I'm still saying it was immersive, which is the best thing that a score can be. It doesn't need to be iconic. And I think the reason that scores become iconic is that it has a simple melody that immerses you, but when you pick it apart and just listen to the melody, it's really, really memorable. Whereas with this, it is immersive, but I think if you just listen to the soundtrack on its own and tried to pick apart the melody, you can, it's not easily replicatable. All right, all right. So before we uh, wrap this up, and I knew this would be short because, folks, I'm sorry, I, I don't have extensive notes because I just took, uh, PhD finals and final papers on Friday. So, and this is yeah. Sunday. So I'm, I'm kind of burnt out, but, and I just preached twice. Um, what else do you want to talk about before we move on to our ratings and recommendations? Uh, let me see. Um, I just want to say really quick that uh, before I'm accused of of not uh, liking this movie, <laughs> I want to defend myself a little bit. I do like it again, and I we we often take the stance where I like it and I like it a little bit less than you. Therefore, it seems by yeah. comparison like I don't like it just because you love it, and that I I do enjoy it. In fact, it was uh, my favorite movie on that Halloween hideaway by far. I really did well, not wasn't like it. the other one, Hack a Lantern. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh, even Joe Bob could even Ooh. Joe Bob couldn't make that watchable. It was that that's just an awful movie, and I did yeah. enjoy his commentary. But again, you got to take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because I've seen this two times in the past two months, less than two months. So that's I'm noticing more flaws. So have I, but yeah, but, and but, I don't think it's before a, I forget. Let me ask you one thing before you mm -hmm. jump into your last point, because here's something I did forget. I thought I said I would bring up the ending. What did you think of the of the yeah. Ending? Where Harper I, kind of sets the trap for the clown. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I watched it, not liking it, but this time I liked it a little bit more. I think I, I think I like the ending now. First time I watched it, I thought maybe it was a little rushed, like the whole end scene where she gets out of the hospital and then the clown comes and she shoots him. It felt like a little rushed, but I think this time around, I didn't mind that as much. I thought it was pretty good. I like the line at the end. Um, when she's pointing the shotgun at the at the clown guy, I thought that was cool. I really like that the clown guy starts panicking whenever his feet are glued to the ground, and then he gets the nails through the arm, which is pretty brutal. Um, yeah, I, I like the ending. I would say I like the ending. That's one of the better parts of the movie for me, actually. Whereas the first time I watched it, I liked everything more, and the ending was the thing I didn't like as much. So I've kind of reversed See, it. But again, I, yeah. I, I'm a little. I did like the ending from a kind of stand up and cheer kind of point i understand what i you're didn't stand up about. and cheer i didn't stand i didn't i wasn't like woo harper go well, i was more I, like I'm that's talking about that that's just a screenwriting term you know what i mean it's like you know when rocky knocks out clubber lang that's the stand up it, it's the yeah yeah you, it's the exclamation point kind of thing where you're supposed to like yeah kind of thing mm -hmm. um here's my I, I thought the same thing when i saw it i thought how in the world did she what why did she get you know what 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 did she put glue all over the place is this her house still um, yeah. you know, um, I, 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 yeah, I had questions about it, but I got where they were coming from for me, like comparing this to Hellfest. When I watched Hellfest, I was like all the way up to the ending. I thought it's decent. It's mm -hmm. decent. It's decent. 
And the ending, which I won't give away yet because we haven't announced this and we're a spoiler podcast. And if we're going to do an ending, we need to announce, you know, what movie we're talking about. And well, we should the cover Hellfest. The ending of Hellfest is fantastic, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like that. I like I like a movie that that twists the tone at the end. And yeah, that definitely. Yeah, that that ending was a lot better, and a lot more sinister. Again, we won't spoil it but in case you haven't seen it. I'm sure you have if you're going to. But we'll talk about that movie at a later. Well, maybe we should do yeah. a, maybe we, we should do a blood feast. Now over a hundred thousand listeners a month, which we never thought we'd have. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. And I'm and that just that just shows you how big the horror audience, like the horror yeah. community, is. But um, yeah, I, I would love to do a a double feature episode because I know we won't have that much to say on both of them. Blood Feast and Hellfest to talk about the Feast and Fest movies that came out that year. I'm not sure um, I want to watch Blood Feast again, but maybe, maybe, hey, how about this for a double bill sometime? Mm-hmm. Hellfest and Toby Hooper's The Fun House. Yeah, okay, that would be a lot more fun. Yeah, I actually, you know what would have been good? The Fun uh, fun House and, and Haunt. I think those are, are more similar thematically because you're pretty much inside The Fun House for the majority of fun. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, that All would be fun. Let's do that. So what else do you want to say about um, uh, about this movie? Anything else you want to bring up when I when I rudely interrupted you because I forgot about to talk about the end? <laughs> no, no, that that was great. Um, uh, I don't I don't remember what I was going to say. I didn't have it written down. Uh, I I think I, that the overall takeaway I would have before I rate this movie is that um, if you're gonna watch this movie. Don't try to see it as I did this time. Don't try to pick it apart and see it as like a cerebral movie that that deserves to be a- analyzed. No, I and think- I, I, that's where you and I think I we really disagree. I mean, yeah, I understand your nitpicks. I think I can explain some of them. I think it was compressed. I think this just happens. You compress things for time. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that. I think you're going to face that as a filmmaker. Like, oh, I'm going to have to cut that because it just slows the pace down. John Carpenter does that. Wes Craven had to do that. Um, so I, I forgive it for those things. I, but I understand what you're saying. If like, if you're, I, I, I respect what you're saying. You're saying, look, if you're an 80 slasher fan, and we're calling this a slasher, and you go into this and you have all this backstory with Harper, you're going to be like, oh, okay, so it's not that. I. I don't have a problem harmonizing that. I think where you're coming from here, tell me if I'm incorrect. You're thinking like a horror fan is like the average horror fan is going to go this, you know, because it's coming at it from this angle looks like it's being deeper and therefore you can't so easily forgive the implausibility of this scene or that scene. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's oh, yeah, that's exactly. Fair. All right, that's because fair. because when a movie is more is trying to be smart, when it has issues, those are easier to pick at rather than when a movie is trying to be fun and it has issues. Who cares? The movie is is trying to be fun. It's not trying to be smart. I do think that this is. I do think that the the screenwriters knowing their like a quiet place was trying to be a cerebral horror movie, and I think it succeeds on some level. But with this. I think there were they were trying to put in cerebral aspects like where it's it's um she's got a tra- a traumatized past and she may be experiencing PTSD and now she's fallen into this similar relationship and she can't get out just like she couldn't before when she was living in the house with her abusive father. Right. So it's just it, there it is trying to be cerebral, but, but I don't think it's still a little like like Sydney's lost her mother and she's traumatized. I think that that's handled better. I think oh I, I, think I agree it handles handle it better. better. I I'm not arguing with that. Yeah. It, there are a lot of movies that handles it, that handle it better, 
-hmm. what I'm saying is I, it doesn't feel because it's still been done so many times, maybe better. It doesn't feel forced to me. Right. And I, you brought up a good with Scream. There are some people who've been like, well, it could, doesn't really make sense that, that there are plot holes here in the plot. I mean, technically, you know, what, what works do and, you know, like trying to point out where the killers were and everything. Right. Right. But the thing is, with Scream, it's kind of a parody of horror movies, so it, it, it you forgive it. Well, but it's I wouldn't call it a parody because Kevin Williamson actually a parody is more like scary movie. Um, but Kevin Williamson actually actually loves horror movies. Like he actually right. loves Prom Night. He loves yeah. Friday Thirteenth. So, yeah, he's he's flipping the script on some things. I would say it's more of a commentary. Uh, but but this is the this is the thing. It's an evolved commentary. Like Kevin Williamson was like, I love Prom Night. I love Friday 13th. I love Halloween. I don't like that if you're, you know, uh, the you have sex, you die. He said, I never like that. I don't think that's fair. So I'm going to flip it, my script. And so it's just like Cabin in the Woods or Behind the Mask. I think it's a bit of a love letter to those yeah. movies. Oh, oh, but yeah. also saying, but you got those things wrong. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, and I don't. When I said parody, I don't. I didn't mean to, to say that it was like a one to one, I, like making I, fun I, of horror movies. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. I want to make sure our listeners get what we're saying, so you don't get the angry emails that I get. Um, right. And typically, I'm the one who get them. So, um, yeah, um, I don't want you to start getting those. Um, but if no, they I do. Then it's child abuse. I will call you out. <laughs> I'm still I'm still a minor. Don't write me angry emails. My fragile young mind can't take it. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So let's get to the chase here. Yes. What is your rating and recommendation for Haunt? Uh, um, I'm I'm coming in with Haunt. I'm coming in three to three and a half stars. I'm saying a six point five to a seven out of ten. Um, I, I, my appreciation has definitely improved over this discussion whereas before when i watched it today i was kind of like i'm i'm feeling a six um i do think it's it's more like a 6.5 it does have some great elements to it writing not the best oh. acting okay based on the material but there are some moments that kind of waver um that said it is a lot of fun and watch it if you haven't seen it already i would definitely recommend you stream it um but if you have seen it already and you're looking to revisit it first of all give it some time um well like like wait a little bit um but i would say the way to do it is watch it with joe bob uh where he can comment on it because i think that that'll that kind of forgives the flaws of the movie whenever joe bob is pointing them out because then you're like yeah well that's fun whereas when you're watching it on your own and you're left to sit with that in your head that that kind of will taint the movie a little bit more for you so 6.5 out of 10 um, closer to a seven than a six, but, uh, so I guess you could round that up to a seven, but anyways, 6.5, I'm sticking with that three, three to three and a half stars on, I gave it three and a half stars initially, but I think I'm, it's more like three at this point. Um, but haunt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I like the acting better than, than you and not just the killers, Katie, I'm a fan. Um, but you are on record as that the ghost, you're a big fan, and he mm -hmm. he's an hour away from you, and you're shooting shorts right now, so don't go shoot yourself in the foot on that. You are a yes. fan of the guy who plays uh, Ch ghost. Chaney, Chaney Morrow, according to your IMDb. Uh, yeah, let's let's make a horror short, bro. I, I enjoyed your performance. You were good. Oh, he was in Dark Water, so I don't know if he's accessible at this point. He was in a Mark Ruffalo movie, so... 
okay, and he's well, in the new wrong turn movie he's in the wrong turn movie as well just like um the guy that played nathan so there well you go. but he's he's from cincinnati so maybe you got a shot um yeah and we're still on COVID lockdown, so maybe you can get him in a short. Um, if you stay, sh- you know, shooting six to eight feet away, maybe you can do it. You know what uh, I could do is, is do a, a ghost face call thing and have him just call in on Zoom and have the voice. That would be cool. He does have a great voice. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the cinematography was great. Lighting is always a major factor in cinematography. That's what... Mm-hmm makes the difference between Halloween and Friday 13th is Dean Coonty is such an expert at lighting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it had real suspense. Mm-hmm. It had me from the beginning. Uh, I have been compiling a list of a complete list of slasher films, my least favorite to favorite, even though right now my least favorite is still one I own, Nail Gun Massacre. I just can't think that's a good movie. <laughs> well, uh, Nail Gun Massacre is fun, though. But some it, of those it's some... fun, but you cannot say it's not a terrible movie. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. Terrible movies are either so are, are either fun bad or boring bad. And in my opinion, actually, Nail Gun Massacre wouldn't be the worst slasher movie I've seen because it's fun bad. Something well, that's, I, I would say, ha- like, Hackle, like Hack-O-Lantern would be like... Well, that's just Hack-O-Lantern is near the bottom of the list as well. But anyway, um, yeah. I, I have 184 slasher films on my list right now. Mm-hmm. Haunt is number 18. Wow. Whoa, really? It's in my Out top all- 20. All yep. slasher movies of all yep. time. Yep. Yep. With yep. all of the Friday the 13th and Halloween sequels. Yep. And Scream. Yep. And Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street, don't get me going on that. I don't want to tick off Willis Wheeler because I like him. But um, I only really like three Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. One, three, and New Nightmare are the only ones I love. Uh, that's yeah. what I, the same. Yeah. But but I would say two is funny. Uh, uh, six is also funny because of how bad it is. And four and five are boring. But, yep, um, that's my opinion. Yeah, Gilman's not going to like that because he's friends with the actress from four and five. But Oh, anyway. well, whatever. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We got to give our honest opinion. I get it. Mm-hmm. We, we give our honest opinion. We are I get, men of the truth. We, we, are, we try to be truthful, yes. I give it eight out of ten. I call it a buy. Wow. I have it, I own it, and I love it. Um, buy Haunt, folks. Go to Ronin Flicks, buy the Blu-ray, if for no other reason the special features done by Justin Beam. And you have to agree, Justin Beam's extras are always great, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the reason to buy the releases that, that he does. I mean, you can see the movies anywhere. The reason you get them is because of... If he's working with, like, Scream Factor, you get it because of the packaging and his bonus features. But regardless of what he's doing, he puts a lot of passion into it. And yes. with a personal connection to the people who made it, I can imagine that he would just go the extra mile on this as well. And he did. It's fantastic. And we we will try to visit uh, where they shot it, right? You're willing to do I, that? Yeah, I would love to, to go and shoot a video there. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right. So, folks, we have a Patreon page. Uh, we appreciate our Patreons. And uh, mm-hmm. they will help my trusty sidekick to become a horror filmmaker one day. Uh, right. That's what you're uh, signing up for. We upload exclusive episodes. And Jackson, you always give them early access to the videos you do for our YouTube page. Yep. Um, we have tiers, but you can become one uh, Patreon for as little as $2.50 a month. And you, the different tiers have different benefits to them. Um, you can suggest... 
bonus episodes. You can suggest regular episodes. You can be on episodes. So check out our Patreon page. My goal is that uh, Jackson, when he's going to film school, won't have to work at a convenience store um, that he can, you know, just do this podcast and have his spending money. So we can uh, don't don't make me don't make me work like a normal person. Make make me be a, a spoiled auteur. That's, hey, that's look, it worked for John Carpenter. John Carpenter didn't work through film school. His dad was a professor and he paid for everything until he got his first writing gig when his dad said, OK, it's time for you to make it on your own. And so he he put John through film school. So. Well, yeah, well, the selfish part of me really appreciates that. But also Patreon is a great way to connect with us because it's kind of hard to to like (laughs) to connect with people on Twitter. And and your dad, I'm a Patreon. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you get to see all those videos. Ooh, Uh, (laughs) I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to videos. And you actually had this. I actually preached about this this weekend. I brought this up. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into it, but. You have a video store near you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Family video. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's awesome. I made a video uh, yesterday, posted that on, on Patreon um, a week early. Yeah, it's just I made a video, actually. Me, uh, $5, spending $5 at family video, and I got three Blu-rays. So, yep. Amazing. So, folks, we can be found at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. We also have a Twitter page at, at fathersonhorror. We are on Instagram. We have a closed Facebook uh, group as well. Um, that's that's pretty active, actually, which Jackson hasn't joined. But, you know, we, we have. I'm sorry. I'm there. slow. I don't know how to use the technology. Oh, bull. So, all right. Where can they find you online, buddy? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore hero 12. Uh, that's K-A-I-N-E underscore hero 12. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Kane Hero. That's one word. I would say that's the social media I'm most active on because I'm always seeing movies. Um, actually, I saw uh, Open 24 Hours. The way you said that is like Will Ferrell playing a romantic character. It's like Ron Burgundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm always seeing movies, yeah. Uh, I did, you know, I just want to say really quick, I saw Open 24 Hours, and I thought it was kind of hilarious. Uh, so uh, if you want to go read that I, review. Yeah, I thought it was just okay. I my first my I opening know our line. buddy Jay of the Dead loves it, and he reached out to me mm-hmm. this week, and we're gonna have Jay on here in the next six weeks or so. But I mm-hmm. thought it was okay. Yeah, I my my first line in my letterbox review. And if you want to read that, I would recommend it. But I wrote, so I just saw Open Twenty Four Hours, and it was kind of dumb. <laughs> oh, uh, so that's what I wrote. So if you want some more charming reviews like that, that'll just absolutely brighten your day. Check me out on Letterboxd. Uh, also, yeah, Father and Son Watch Horror on YouTube. You can check that out. I'm posting videos there. Um, going to try to do a, a movie collection uh, video. That'll always be, that's always fun to, to just talk, brag about all the movies I have. Uh, so if you want to check that out, Father and Son Watch Horror on YouTube. And uh, thank you guys so much. Absolutely. And so I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd as at Pastor Matt R. I have a number of lists like the Slasher list, 184 movies on that. I've got some more that are private right now. I'm putting together like best horror documentaries, best horror comedies, uh, that kind of thing. And so you can go there and comment. We can talk about that. Um, So next time we will be joined by our buddy, uh, Big Bill Van Vega. We'll be back for a little Christmas horror next time around uh, with each of us bringing a Christmas horror movie to discuss. That'll be a lot of fun, won't it, buddy? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to that because I have no idea what uh, Bill is choosing. I have no idea what you're choosing. Uh, it's going to be a grab bag of Christmas horror, and I'm looking forward to it because other than Halloween, Christmas is the best holiday for horror fans. Uh, so yeah, that's well, gonna I'm going to go on Tubi and find one. I was going to do Better Watch Out, but we may save that mm -hmm. for next Christmas. I'm going to go on Tubi because let's face it, I'm pretty sure at this point our buddy Big Bill. Uh, who's on Land of the Creeps and Phantom Galaxy. Big Bill, I'm pretty sure, um, is gunning to be the public face of Tubi. I think we're going <laughs> to yep. see on commercials in the next year. Uh, yep. uh, radio ads. You know, I, I, I think that's Bill's goal. And doing so many podcasts, watching so many movies, I think Bill's like, you know, heck with the AT&T girl. I'm going to be the face of 2B TV. That's what I So Yeah. It seems like every episode of Land of the Creeps you listen in, he's like, so I was out in the camper looking through 2B, and I found this one exactly. movie. Exactly. He's, he's either teaching, camping, cooking, or watching 2B. That's yep. what Bill does. But he's also a sports fan, so we message mm -hmm. about that. But we love Bill, don't we? He's a great guy. Oh, yeah. He's been one of the best guests we've had on consistently. Uh, he was one of the one of the big guests that we had early on. So, yeah, he's great. And he always brings something interesting to the table. Absolutely. So that's coming up next. Um, we have some big plans over the next few months, including our top 10 list and a few crossover episodes. We're going to have mm -hmm. a crossover episode with one of our favorite podcasts. I'll wait till we have that scheduled to announce that. And we're going to have uh, the three hosts of another podcast on our podcast uh, we're, we're hoping to schedule that in January. So that's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? You know, you just have to wait and see folks. Jackson and I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited. I'm nerding out, but you guys are going to have to wait. We, we are totally teasing you. Yep. So be sure because, uh, we're recording this. What is it? Five and a half days before Joe Bob's next special, which mm -hmm. comes on December 11th. This will come out a couple days before Joe Bob's special. If you're listening to this, be sure to tweet to Darcy about Land of the Creeps for mm -hmm. the upcoming special because we want Greg, Dave, and Bill at LOTC to be the next Silver Bolo Award winner, right? We know that they know that LOTC exists. So if we can get a campaign yep. going, then they, they will definitely they'll, they'll definitely have to consider it. So we yeah, looking forward got to a that. Message, I got a message from Joe Bob's assistant mm -hmm. uh, saying, thank you for the Silver Bolo nomination. So, yep, they know about land of the creeps and now it's a message of making sure they bring home the hardware right mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely i can't wait for them to get that spray painted silver bolo no totally no no real silver real silver uh, <laughs> um i'm looking forward to that uh what we're gonna be that that night i'm literally the entire time until the silver bolo winner is announced i'm gonna be oh uh, who's it gonna be who's it gonna be so yep. uh yeah after months and months of campaigning uh, I, I'm confident. I, I'm going to say it right now. I'm confident in our abilities to get LOTC uh, to be a Silver Bowler winner and Dr. Shock Dave Becker, a two-time uh, Silver two Bowler Award winner. Two-time Silver Bowler Award winner, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, all right, buddy. We'll say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye. Have a holly jolly slashness. And uh, pre please, please write nice letters to Santa about us this year. We, we, I, we really want uh, a little air rifle, okay? Please. I don't know where I was going with that. I guess I was going with Christmas story. Anyways, um, tis the season. We're having a lot of fun this year. Thank you for listening. And remember that the family that watches horror movies together slays together.
There you go. You said it for me, buddy. So yep. <laughs> check us out next time. Thanks for listening. See ya.